Hello, I'm Paul Rose. Some of you might know me as Mr. Biffo. I'm joined once again by my wife, Sanya, who isn't going to say hello because I've just set this mic up in the future after we've recorded the episode to record this intro. That was really long and rambling. I'm going to shut up and we're just going to get into it. This is side two of Misplaced Childhood, beginning with Espresso Bongo. Just before we move on to Espresso Bongo, I want Espresso Bongo. Espresso Bongo. Um, I was curious to hear what your take on um, its side of terrain was because it it starts at the end of Bittersweet and then he chants it at the beginning of Heart of Lothian. So, what do you think it means? I never really ascribed any deeper meaning to it other than it was a bit of atmosphere. But you could say, well, he's hitchhiking and then it starts raining on him. Boom, sort of law. <laughs> oh, my life, eh? But it's at the start of Heart of Lothian, he's chanting it. Yeah. Uh, I've never really, well, <laughs> if he's singing about being Scottish. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's chances right. are it's raining <laughs> on a night out. We'll, we'll stick with my interpretation okay. then that rain is bringing change and he's washing away the old. Okay. Well, let's... let's okay. Let's, we can move on then. Let's move on to track one of side two. Yes. Waterhole, brackets, espresso bongo. Yes. What do you think of this? It was so... Di- as soon as it came on, I was like... What? It sounds so different. Um, I love the sound of the music. And when it comes on, like it it was evocative in the in the sense that when I hear it, I, I feel like chanting, danger, danger, danger. I, okay. That has nothing to do with my interpretation of the song. That's just, that's just wow. what the music made me think of. Um, now, okay, so this is something I've come up with in my interpretation of it. And you can tell me if it fits because the other what? day I then had a massive attack of doubt that I completely got it wrong. I'm thinking that this song could have also been called He Chameleon. Okay. <laughs> wow. Get you. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I'm wondering if it's about, it's like a continuation of the wide boys night out and it's still about casual relationships Fish sounds a little bit angry and judgmental to me at times. It, like almost like he might be judging the lads for being he chameleons, lying and manipulating their way into the girls' beds. That that was my take. I don't know what it's about, mm. but I, exactly what I thought. I thought it's late. It, it's the end of the night. Mm. He's looking around and going, "What oh, a bunch of dicks!" Yeah, yeah. What meaningless existence? Yeah. That's exactly how I saw it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. He he's being he's judging them, but in a really bitter way. Which musically, the it, you know, it feels like he's he's drunk. He's you know, he's sat popped up on the bar. He doesn't want to be part of this night out. Yeah. Anymore, he's looking at them and he's going, looking at them. Going, look at yeah. them. You know, selling false impressions. Yeah. Tipping eyes at the waitress with American expressions. This was always the song I skipped. When I was younger. Oh, really? I mean, why, it's, why? It, it's only two minutes sound, long. Or? I just didn't like what it sounded like, bottom line. But within the narrative of the album, it really works, mm. I think. My yeah. interpretation of the narrative and yours, it would seem. Yeah, it does. I but, mean, I, and I, I'd like to, the, the interesting thing is I like the music sound of it. Mm. I didn't like the lyrics. I didn't like it lyrically. I didn't like the 
the the singing sound what that sounded like it it was uncomfortable but that could be because of what it's about and mm. his you know his judgment is bleeding through can i just ask you one other thing when he says so when you think it's time to go when you think it's time to go don't be surprised 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 um, when you think it's time to go don't be surprised the heroes never show. What What does that mean to you? I don't know. And I rack my brains trying to think what it could mean. Me too. Who are the heroes? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I had no idea. The heroes never Who's show. Who's he talking to when, it's, when you think it's time to go? Is he talking to the women in the bar? You're not going to find a hero here. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. They're all scumbags. It's all shallow. Yeah, shallow scumbags. There is a couple of lines in here that I find curious. Mm. Now, the title of the song is another reference to a film. Of all things, a Cliff Richard film called Espresso Bongo. Oh. I did wonder if Fish changed it Espresso because he expresses himself so much, but or whether he just oh. whether he just got the spelling wrong, as some people do. So the the film Espresso Bongo, uh, it's about a teenager called Bert Rudge who was working in a coffee shop called Espresso Bongo by a sleazy manager who moulds him into a pop star called, called, and I love this name, Bongo Herbert. (laughs) We've all met a few Bongo Herberts, haven't we, in our time? It's a good name. Bongo Herbert. Wow. So, yeah, uh, and then Bongo Herbert stroke Bert Rudge tries to get out of his contract. Ooh. Ooh. Now... Is that foreshadowing? I do wonder. And there's also in here, there's two lines. You had found true love or so you believed. And the wide boys tattooed your hearts upon their sleeves. Now, my interpretation of that, which I admit could be completely wrong. He's referring to Meridian fans. You know, he thought he'd found true love. He got his heart broken. He wrote about it. And he's going out night after night and singing songs about his heartbreak and how unhappy mm, he is and the it. wide boys are all in the audience going you know so here I am once more in the playground of the broken hearts yeah whereas Fish is you know he he, he means it when he sings it. yeah he means those words you know he meant those words when he wrote them and now he's going to have to go out every night and perform them to a bunch of drunks mm. drunk guys singing along that must be weird Mm, that, that was that's my gotta take be on that. weird yeah that was how i but always also, saw if he's that. trying to get over that heartbreak and move past it it doesn't really help to be reminded of it yeah every night and every night it's like going and relive re- that pain reopening a again. wound every yeah. night yeah because I, I um as you know i i stumbled across entirely by accident an interview that i did with fish back in um i think it was either the early 2000s or late 90s mm-hmm on a very old website that I used to used to run. And I asked him on there, what is that like? Do you... you oh, no, you actually asked him I that question. I actually asked him in that interview, what, what's it like going out and singing about difficult things every night? And he, he said in that that you can't put yourself in there. He, which is interesting because that's a difference from H because H has to feel the songs. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen H cry on stage more than once because he's been so overwhelmed with emotion at what he's singing was fish claimed at least in that interview that he can detach himself from what the songs are about right 
I don't know how true that is when you when you know I look when, at that lyric. Yeah. I don't know. That that that's how I've always slightly seen that. Mm. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So shall we just skip on to Lords of the Backstage? Yeah, well, can I just talk about the seamless transition again? So the music yeah. for Lords of the Backstage that starts at the end of Expresso Bongo. Oh, just I, I don't know, that just gives me so much satisfaction, the way that they kind of meld into each other and connect. Yeah, very musically, very different. So satisfying. That, that, but they feel like two parts of a, a yeah. whole, which is side two particularly is seamless. There's really it each is. song. Yeah. You can see why they wanted to just call the second side, you know, track two or yeah. side two. They flow into the, each other. Every song is just part of one song. Mm. You know, it's a 20 minute long song that they've written yeah. with different sections. And yeah, I, I, I too love the way it goes into Laws of the Backstage, which musically is suddenly sort of more, it's a, it's a darkness musically with Expresso Bongo and then yes. Laws of the Backstage is, don't know, it's, kind of a little bit more playful comes back to life again So what's your take on this section, as in what it's about? Uh, Lords of the Backstage. Yeah. Oh, first of all, I just have to say, it's one of my favourite, favourite parts of the album. I I love Lords of the Backstage. You do, don't you? I, do, I really, really, really love it. Like, I'll, I'd listen to it and then rewind and listen to it again. Really? Yeah, wow. I really love it. I just always it. saw it as a transition. Between... Oh, it's one of my favourite parts of the album. I, I, I don't know. There's, um, I love the punchiness. I love the energy, the vitality, the rhythm of it. There's, it's just, it's alive. So, but the meaning I'm seeing in law, I'm hearing in Lords of the Backstage and feeling that there's a certain kind of anger in it, but it's not a nasty bitter anger like we feel in Fugazi. It's not a judgmental anger that we hear and feel in Espresso Bongo, but rather it's a forward-facing anger. So it's like he's got his head down and he is trying to push himself forward. It's like he's moved away from just wanting to get over the heartbreak and move on with his life and go out with the lads and have brief encounters or meaningless collisions to being desperate to do so. It's like he is desperate to get over the heartbreak, to move forward with his life, to move on. And the repetition of ashes are burning, bridges are burning now. Now, 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 now. <laughs> um it's like he's desperately trying to convince himself that he has moved on. And the music behind the lyrics is almost fervent. It's like it's like the music is drunk or something. And in in the throes of that chemical distraction. So it's like he's really he's taken that wanting to distract himself to the next level and is kind of going like, I'm not thinking about her. Look at me. I'm living my life. I'm burning those bridges. I'm moving forward. See, see. So he's trying to prove something 
looking ahead of where he wants to go. It's like he's using that anger as a kind of fuel for energy. And then just like that, it, it just stops and morphs into blind curve. Okay. It just like suddenly stops. I had a different take on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Given the title, mm. and maybe this is because as well I know what happens in the overall Fish and Marillion story. Mm-hmm. I think this is another song where he's frustrated being a rock star, that it's not fulfilling him. That that he is, you know, he's a lord of the backstage, a creature of language. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, and what this musically as well, for me, backs this up. It, it feels like just this sense that he's going through the motions being in the band and doing what's expected of him as Fish the rock star, capital T, capital R capital s <laughs> mm. fish trs uh and and yeah he's still thinking about her i just wanted you to be the first one i just wanted you to be the first one yeah and you know which brings up sort of is it jealousy that you know they burn each other's first or something like that that's how i always Regret. saw that yeah um and he's he's having to be fish while going through all this stuff as Derek. Right. So it's connected to Espresso Bongo's Yeah, theme. I think. It, and, so do you and, think- and Heart of Lothian. And yeah. this all feels like he's on a treadmill. Yeah, yeah. So do you think when he's saying bridges are burning, it's like ashes are burning, it's like him slowly getting to the point where he's over it, he's over being I didn't see it as that. Star. I saw bridges are burning, that, that his lifestyle is burning the bridges to who he was. Yeah, and his past, and the the and, oh, okay. and Derek. See, I thought, oh, that probably makes more sense because I was like saying he's burning the bridges to his past relationship, like he's really trying to get over it. Yeah, but maybe I don't think it's he's, burning I don't the think bridges to his yeah. true self. I don't think he's any further over it here. No, I don't think yeah. he is, but he's desperately wanting to be. Yeah, bridges are burning. I think there's there's two things mixed there. I think his his career is taking him away from him from, from himself. himself the yeah. thing that he wanted hasn't made him happy and yeah. on top of that trying to deal with grief while having to go out every night and be an entertainer yeah is hard which is why he turned to chemicals and alcohol yeah and sex i mean this song to me just feels like i said it's like a fervor of of drunkenness and drugs yeah yeah. It sounds like Well that numb kind of... numb a valiant child. Yeah. Bored by meaningless yes. collisions. Yeah. Love I think those lines. I think he's bored of being fish at this point yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, a mirror cracked along the white lines, another reference to drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm. It's all going a bit wrong, isn't it, fish? It is. And then there's that beautiful seamless transition yeah, into, into blind Blanca. curve. Down. Seamless. God, change of atmosphere. Yeah. It's it's just that well, blind curve, I think I've said this before, but for for me it's one of Marillion's finest ten minutes. Mm. Another track, by the way, that's um split into sections. Is it? Would you like to know Would what you? the sections are? Yes, please. Vocal under a bloodlight, mm-hmm. passing strangers, mm-hmm. Milo. Perimeter walk. Perimeter. I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> threshold, which is interesting because he did uh, Grendel 
uh, section called Lurk at the Threshold. No, I don't, I'm sure they're not connected. He's probably just fish. It's another word that he likes. So yeah, Blind Curve. I, a, a track that I should point out that H has done live, but not the second or the final part of it, which is kind of the best part, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you won't hold it against him oh, or anything. But he does seem to do that with certain songs. <laughs> Cinderella search. Not that you mind. Not that I mind, but you're geared up for that bit and then it morphs into the space or quartz or something and it's, yeah. Uh, but I'll let it go. I'll let it go. At some point you'll At some let point it go. I'll let it go. 40 years time. Yeah, I normally go and take a, um, what's the word? A protest wee. At that point, don't care if it's the I best want. song. It's not, I don't care <laughs> if it's like Visible Man or something. I'm having a wee. Sublime <laughs> oh. curve for me sounds like him sliding down into the depths of despair, and even at points, it sounds like the guitar is wailing. Um, it sounds like he's at this point reached a place where he's decided that he's happy being single, or so he says, I just want to be free. I'm happy to be lonely. He just wants to be left alone. He's he's too tired to fight, whereas Lords of the Backstage, for me, it felt like he was still fighting. Um, it feels like this is him hitting rock bottom, and there's a real sense of loneliness here. His need for connection is so unmet he has encounters with strangers and interviewers. They they all want to hear his story and stuff, but there's no real deep connection. When he starts to open up with them, they just like look out the window or whatever. And then he goes into a really, really dark place when he says, um, I reach for a bottle and he reached for the door and I picked up the sleeping pills crushed on the floor, inviting me to a casual obscenity. Um, so that obscenity, obscenity. <laughs> so that was like the first part for me, and then then it seemed to change, which is probably because it's different parts. And I have to say, I love love love. There's a there's a bit at about four minutes twenty two where the guitar reminded me kind of of uh, the beginning of Grendel. Right. There's like a medieval sound, and I was wondering if that was like meant to represent. The death of the jester, because oh. it's medieval. The jester's medieval. I, oh, I can't sing okay. it because <laughs> I'm not there a guitar. I'm not a guitar voice. I'm not a guitar. It really reminded me of the the beginning oh, bit of Grendel. It's not exactly the same, but it's it's kind of similar. And then after that, we hit a really dark part where. It's like the drum. I know the bit. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I know the bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, the drum and bass seem to echo a heartbeat and a Mm. hum of this really dark place. Yeah. And everything's so stripped back. And it's almost like, you know, you're feeling how stripped back his emotions are. It's the bit where he says, uh, wasted. I've never been so wasted. I've never been this far out before. This for me is like the depths of the underworld of his emotions Mm. and where I'm imagining he finds himself. He finds that missing piece, that other soul fragment of that boy who he'd lost before his misplaced childhood. And then after that, the music comes back to 
resurrection as he returns from the underworld mm. and he's passing all the casualties yeah. of war and war the casualties the yeah of, mm. of his all his fighting and then at the at the end it sounded to me like there was like a, a callback to heart of lothian there is yeah oh there is yeah, okay and that was kind of like a victory song yeah so it's just wow I, yeah, it feels like he conquers something quite big in this song. This is the acid trip. Oh, is it? Effectively. This this for me is is a call back to our opening scene. This is pseudo Silkamono time. Yeah. He's tried everything else. He he's at the lowest ebb here. The yeah. Bottom. Absolutely rock bottom, darkest place. Yeah. Can't you just stay away and figure there his thoughts with the yeah. you know, K and so he takes this acid and that's when he has the experience of seeing the child, his childhood. Right. And as he says, uh, it, it could have been ancient. I could have been missed, mystical. Yeah. There's a presence here, a child, my child, my childhood, a misplaced childhood. Give it back to me. Give it back to me. A childhood, that childhood. Oh, please give it back to me. And then he yep. gets it back. And he's complete and whole again. And that, during the last section, the amazing, I saw War Widow in a laundrette. Yeah. Washing the memory from her husband's clothes. She had medals pinned to a threadbare great coat, a lump in her throat with cemetery eyes. My oh, I know. God, goosebumps. Yeah. And But that's him. He's complete. So now he can kind of he's- focus on the issues of the world and not his own problems again. Oh, so That's I how felt, I see it. I felt like he he's complete, and as he's rising up out of those depths, he's walking past all the casualties of war, all the all the all the the, the results of fighting. Well, I I I saw it as more literal than that. Right. That he's, you know, I see convoys curb crawling West German autobahns. They're trying to pick up a war. They're going to even the score. Oh, I can't take anymore. We're back in Fugazi territory. The world's fucked up. Yeah. You know, and... So yeah, he's uh, come out of himself, out of his pain and looking outside of himself at the world and going, oh, yeah. great. It's not, yeah. still ruined. Yeah, yeah. That's so That for me is, okay. is a sign of... It's the classic thing of don't fit someone else's oxygen mask until you fitted your own mm-hmm. you know don't try to fix yeah. other people until you fixed yourself mm. and that's how i see yeah this that here. makes sense but again within that i do find some stuff that feels very negative about being a rock star the there's the you know the holiday in another temporary home interviewer threatened me with a microphone yes yeah talk to me won't you tell me your story yes and then when he opens up and he talks about yeah. conscience and basically the conscience again yeah um he the the guy looks out a window yeah and it started around i thought maybe i'd already gone crazy it's it's his life that he has found himself in as fish is superficial yeah so he's looking for something with deeper and more meaning and that's when he looks out at the world and goes right there's stuff that's buggered up here the world is screwed. Yeah. I've, I need to help fix this. There's a section here which I have to admit, I do, as much as I love it when H has sung part of it, I always find the Milo section slightly uncomfortable because it refers to a guy called John Milo who was a, a guitarist that, that the band were friends with in a uh, band called Rage who died in a car crash. Oh. So I remember Toronto when Milo went down and we sat and we cried on the phone. 
it refers to a real person. Ah, I imagined it that referred to a real person. But you know what? That really fits with your idea of yeah. him kind of getting over being Fish the Rock star. Well, yeah, some of us go the- down in a blaze of obscurity. Some of us go down in a haze of publicity. Yeah. The price of infamy. yeah. The Edge of Insanity. I lo- can I just say as well, I love how he sings this bit. It's so melodic yeah. and it's so beautiful. But with the, the music is as well. Yeah. To, again, together, this whole album, the music and his voice and his they words come together. are so in sync, like mm. never before yeah. with them. It's, it's a phenomenal record. It really is. Mm. And when you sort of start digging into it as we're, we are, you realise how much the craft that has gone into it, musically yeah. and lyrically. Yeah. The, it's it's so crafted, which is amazing given what Fish was going through. And you know, I want to give, I want to, um, I want to highlight the craft in the music as well, because I think without that music, to 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 hold those words up. Oh my god, absolutely. It wouldn't be as That's powerful. That's why this yeah. It, it wouldn't yeah. be as powerful. That that music is is the foundation of it. And the music in this album I think is is almost unsung unjustly and it, it comes back to what we were talking about last time how fish overshadows everything mm. because he's telling his story. Yes. You know, by the end of this song it returns to the Heart of Lothian musical motif, which is about potentially Fish rediscovering his Scottishness. Um, you know, who he was. He has a Heart of Lothian, so it echoes back to that. But I don't know whether Fish suggested they do that, whether the band did, but it's the band here are doing almost what they're there to do, which is not show off, but to provide the the as you say, the foundation for Fish to tell this story. Yeah, they support the storytelling. Yeah. Without them, though, musically, that in, story yeah. would not be it's as It's selfless. It's a selfless it, it's thing. It's selfless, yeah. But it it it's selfless because they're not, they're not going, look at me, here I am. But their part is so important. It's well, beyond important. Mm. It's, it's crucial. You take away the music of this yeah. album, the way it's written. If this was just another band just doing straightforward rock songs and not painting pictures mm. with their music as they are, it wouldn't have anywhere near the power that it has. And it does have power, it does, this album. Yeah. yeah, wow. But yeah, and this, this for me is absolutely the, the key point in the album. Um, yeah, for me, you know, it, it's rebirth. It it's is. Him. It's, it's yeah, him resurrection. Yeah. That's exactly how I experienced it. I mean, okay, I didn't quite get the whole part of it of him kind of being tired of being a rock star, but but I get it now. Mm. Yeah. It, it, again, it's foreshadowing to when he left. I really think mm. so. It's not bringing him the happiness that he hoped it would. Yeah. Yeah. So, should we move on? Yes. Getting close to the end. Oh, the childhood's end? Childhood's end. (laughs) 
here we are. It's morning. And he's found himself mourning for a child he thought had disappeared. Yes. Had it. Had it. Well, yeah. I think I think that question mark in the title. And by the way, every good prog album should have a song called Child Has End on it. With or without <laughs> I thought you were going to say every good, every good prog album should have a, t- a song title with a question mark after it. That as well. But yeah, no, Childhood's End is a bit of a prog cliche. Is it? <laughs> a title, yeah, because yeah. when I was looking up the lyrics, I saw, is it Pink Floyd has done yeah, a Childhood's yeah, End? Yeah. I think the question mark is there because he's hopeful, but he's hedging his bets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Been through a lot. Not too sure, but it seems yeah. like it's okay now. Yeah. Mm. So off you go. Let's hear you. Well, I have to say this was my absolute favourite Doing a bit of single sa- song on side two. Absolutely. Possibly on the album, I don't know. I mean there's a lot of wonderful bits. But oh my goodness. I I actually got emotional listening to this the first few times. Like I actually got teary. When you've been on that journey. Yeah. And it it's was like, like, oh my God, thank God I he's got all right. Teary listening to it. It's so hopeful and upbeat and I just, I love the sound of it. The grieving process has finally come to a point of healing and acceptance. The music at that bit kind of reminded me at the end of an adventure film when uh, our heroes, he'd been off on his adventure, he'd descended into the underworld, he'd conquered his demons and monsters and now he's returning victorious to the village and everyone's celebrating and he's he's found himself, he's come back to himself, he's got that missing piece that left him all those years gone. The rain's gone, he's not alone anymore. I turned to the mirror and I saw you, the child that once loved, the child before they broke his heart. Our heart, the heart that I believed was lost. He he realized that he'd done nothing wrong. He just lost himself. The only thing misplaced was direction, and now he's fine. He's found direction. It's like he's come full circle, and there's there's a sense. Well, for me, there's like a lot of self love in the song. He realizes that all the answers he was looking for were within him all along, and he's not looking backwards anymore. He's not looking at the past with all the blame and oh my god, you did this and I feel she's hurt got about to carry that. on with her life and you've got to carry yeah, on with yours. He's looking forwards now. The road ahead of him is cleared. Now you found the light. Um Yeah. Oh also I wanna I wanna talk about the magpie, but I might do that at the end. Well, I was gonna talk about the magpie. Oh, you're gonna talk about the magpie. Okay, so shall I say my take on the magpie? Yeah. I don't know what the magpie means or symbolizes, but I, I had a look at the, what magpie might symbolize. And it is, um, there was a, a website called wildspeak.com and it says, and I don't think this is what he meant, mm. but I'm just finding it interesting. The parallels, this kind of more universal meaning is the magpie teaches us to take joy in the process of change. It's also an excellent, muse for those who are creative with words because it's got such complex speech if you can call it speech like the sounds it makes are so complex so it's a symbol of creative expression i didn't know that and then there was a section called the magpie as a shadow guide oh the shadow of the magpie yeah and i'm sure this is not what fish meant but listen to this so a shadow guide is is if you find an aversion towards a certain animal. 
or you fear it irrationally, usually that animal is teaching us things about ourselves that we that are profound and that we are finding difficult to confront. Often it's about the traits that we most fear within us. And the magpie as a shadow guide generally is showing that we have some very significant lessons to learn about friendships, partnerships, and family relationships. Yeah. So I know that's probably not what he meant, but I just thought it was interesting to throw that in there. Okay, now I'm really curious to hear your version. I haven't got a version on it. it. My take on it is the same as you. He's come out the other side. The, the key lines here are, for me, you want to change the world, you can do anything. Yeah. Which, again, is, comes back to the end of Bit of um, Blind Curve, mm. where he's looking outwards. He's, he's, he's got, like, that sense of empowerment yeah. now. Yeah, he's empowered. He feels empowered. Yeah. The magpie is purely, what's my one superstition? Magpies? Yeah. Where do I get that from, Tanya? From fish? Yeah, from bloody Marillion. You get... What? That's My why... mind is blown. This whole huge thing. We can't walk past a magpie. We can't drive past a magpie. Even if we're on a train and you see a single magpie, you have to salute it and ask, say, how's your wife? Yeah, it's from Marillion. No way. I thought it was from your childhood. My misplaced childhood. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where my one superstition was. So that's why I was freaking out. When we had a bloody magpie in the house. Oh, yeah. My God, that's like the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. Oh, my goodness. You had to pick this damn thing up in a tea towel and like me trying to tuck it under one arm, carrying it out while saluting it with the other hand. <laughs> How's your wife? How's your wife? How's your wife? My God, who's in the house? How's your wife? How's your wife? Oh, dear. So, yeah, that's where that comes from. That's all I wanted to say about it, the magpie. Do you know, uh, in Eastern communities, apparently, the magpie is an omen of love. It's a positive omen. Oh, well, why? Well, okay. Oh, well. well uh, yeah, I, I don't just, want to take away your superstition I, uh, from you. Oh, all this time, I thought it went way back to when Yeah, now my parents never did it. Oh. Blame fish. Sorry, it's his fault. So, what's your take on it? In... The song the, in in here, I I don't really know. Reborn I, I, in the shadow of the magpie. What does that mean? I don't know. The sh- reborn in the shadow, shadow of it. It's flying it. away. It's flying off overhead. Oh, and, and that could be it. As per yes. the album cover, it's leaving a rainbow behind. Oh. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, it's the shadow as it flies overhead. We need to ask Fish. We do. Yeah, if anyone, Someone anyone can drop him a line on our behalf. <laughs> ask him if he's ready to do an interview yet as well. <laughs> So yeah, I I I I love this song. My God, oh, I, love I love this it song. Too. It's the guitar in it. It's got that Rothers classic eighties yeah. guitar sound yeah. that, that he he did. That that sort of almost jangling kind of thing going on. And I, mean, I love Mark's keys on it. It's it's just a happy song. Everything, it's a yeah. happy song in some respects. The happiest song on the album because yeah, you know, next, I think it next is. to Lavender. Well, lavender's different. I wouldn't say lavender's happy. Lavender, lavender's loved up and hopeful. Yeah. Whereas this is this is really optimistic. Yeah. It's a really optimistic way to end the album. Mm. Although and after being track. through what we've yeah. been through, like in all the other strong songs, you especially it. Blind Curve, it was like, yeah. oh my God, what a relief. Yeah. Uh, we needed this at the end of the album. We needed mm. that, I think. I'm all for a happy ending. Yeah, same. So to speak. Um. Don't give me that face. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's it. Really. I haven't got a lot more to say mm. about Childhood's End other than it's bloody great and should have been a single. Should have. 
Yeah. And why H has never sung this, I don't know. Because Has think, he not? No, I think he'd be amazing at it. What? Yeah. Out of all the songs, I can imagine him singing that. Yeah. Oh, I wonder, I wonder love, if, it's love that, to I wonder if that's a conscious it. choice or it just hasn't come up. I don't know. I'd love to hear him sing it. Yeah. So should we just jump ahead to the let's, very last track? Let's jump ahead. White Feather. Mm-hmm. Another, I love this as well. I, I kind of see it as semi sort of inseparable from childhood's end because it's part of this the the upbeat ending yeah. yeah yeah how i imagine it is childhood end is like that end bit of a film the victory after the the adventure and white feather for me is as the final credits roll up yeah 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 it's 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 euphoric but it it's it's fish with new purpose yeah and more than that well, we had a. It's weird because I, as we've established in the last week or so, I've been singing this wrong all these years. Yeah, I always, that's right. Yeah, I, I always say I won't wear your white feather. Yeah, and as I will wear your white feather, and I you, will you, carry you your found white out flag. Some interesting stuff, didn't you? Yeah, because I was like, okay, what is this white feather that he's talking about? So I looked up the meaning of it, and apparently, during World War One, it was used as a symbol of cowardice. Mm. So if people saw men out and about not in uniform, like men that should be of an age that to go to war. They'd give them a, a white feather to sort of go, now you have to wear this to show your cowardice. And uh, a few made some embarrassing mistakes by actually giving it to returned soldiers and stuff. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. what it's about. I think it's Fish saying, I'm proud to be a coward. Yeah. I'm not going to fight yeah. anymore. We're all children under the same sky. Yeah. That's, that's what it I've is. I've got my heart. Um, it's back with me. I can't misplace it anymore. You can't take it away from me. I'm not going to fight. I'm surrendering yeah. the fight. But for me, I think it's got a bigger, it's a bigger meaning than that, I think. I think it, as well as the personal, I think it's saying we're all the same. We've all got hearts. That's yes. what unites us. Yes. And that means we're all the same, ultimately. So that's how I see it. It's him looking at the world and it's his, uh, you know, art. what's what's that... Um, I'd like to teach the world to sing. That's it. The Coke song. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Perfect harmony. Together, all the children. Yeah. It's his way of doing that. And, you know, it's why in the background you've got the, you know, him listing Stockholm children. Yeah. Tokyo children, which live when you, they used to play this live, it was, yeah, you, that was a lot more pronounced. Oh, right. Yeah. This song, yeah, they used to extend it a bit with the various children of various countries and the like. Yeah, you can't take our hearts, you can't steal our hearts away. Mm-hmm. We'll always have those. They they transcend borders, they transcend flags and uniforms and wars and yep. you know, that's And I'm proud to own my heart. Yeah. His heart which has caused him so many problems, mm-hmm. or so he thought. At the no. end of the day, yeah. ultimately no. I'm, I'm proud, proud to it. own it. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. We did it. We got we got through this epic album and Amazing we survived. Album. An album that is mature, uh, that ends on a note of wisdom, that musically sounds like nothing else. All those 
accusations of them being derivative of a certain other band. To hell with those people who said that. Because here, this is where Meridian established their musical identity, which has carried them through the H years as well, while also not necessarily repeating themselves. I kind of said, this is the sort of epic mm. thing that we do, and we do it best. And on top of that, Fish found his voice on this album, while also, by all accounts... finding his heart. Yeah, going through some much-needed therapy. That mm. It feels like it's an album that is a... Uh, it's an experiential album. Is it ever? After listening to it so much over the last couple of weeks, I mean, I feel like I've been on a on an expedition or something. Yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, I feel like a changed person because that sounds cliche. But it has really affected me. I feel like I've been taken out of myself and been on this journey with him yeah it has really really stayed with me as it has for me over the years it like i said in the last episode i think as a 14 year old i didn't necessarily understand what the words were about mm. you know, i obviously understood like kind of kaylee and lavender and the like but i i on some level the the emotion of it and the honesty of the emotion of it resonated with me it's an album yeah as we you and i were saying this yesterday that it's an album that you listen to with your heart, not your head. Yeah. Whereas previous and, and albums, the it's the other way around. Yeah, you can understand the feeling of it. Mm. The music is absorbed into you and it, kind, mm. it can bypass your brain. I defy anyone to listen to this album with headphones on in the dark and not be on some level. And not emotion- cry when you get to Charlie's Yeah, and not end. be emotionally moved by it on some level. Yeah. Especially if you give the, give it the chance to to really understand what it's about and let yourself be be affected by the music and and the words and the journey. Mm. But I think there's another level to it beyond that, which is part of what we've been doing on this podcast, which is that we've come from script to Fugazi to this, you know, to hear the three of them together and the journey that, there's different stories going on. There's the, the evolution of Marillion as a band, yeah. Yeah, and as artists. And then on top of that, there's Fish's story as a person and him coming to terms with failed relationships. But then there's another story starting to emerge, which will continue on into the next album, yes. Crutching the Straws, which is Fish's disillusion with being a rock star and being in Marillion. Which has begun, you know, we can really sense I can it sense in his childhood. I thought it was just there in Clutching, as, as we'll see. But I can see... The foreshadowing. There's a real thread that connects all the albums. And Mm. it's like, yeah, you can listen to them as standalone pieces. But when you have them all together, and I haven't listened to Clutching at Straws yet. When you listen to them all together, it's... I'm a bit taken aback. Yeah, it tells a real story, doesn't it? Yeah. And the crazy thing is... We're really just at the beginning of the Marillion story here. I know. This is three albums in. We've got another, what, 15 albums yet to talk about. And then on top of that, there are other important parts of the story that we're going to touch upon, such as the Marillion weekends and mm. the way the band invented crowdfunding that that are all really vital parts of of the journey, you know, the struggles that they went through in the 90s. Yeah. We're not... Just so you know, audience at home, um, we're going to take a look when we get beyond clutching at straws after we've 
done Season's End. We're going to take a look at Fish's first solo album, but we're probably going to stop there. We might maybe at the end touch upon them again when we get through everything. But, but Vi- Vigil in the Wilderness the, of Mirrors, I think, is, yeah. Of, um, it, Vigil in the Wilderness of Mirrors is still part, I think, of the Marillion story. Right. Yeah, which which those, has begun yeah. that script for And that's the story theory. we're telling, Marillion, not yes. necessarily Fish's overall journey. Yeah. We're telling the story of Marillion. We're on the road of Marillion. Yeah. So, this, as much as we focused on Fish, this is very much about Mark, Steve, Pete. Ian and someone will soon all come to know Steve Hogarth, who had to step into some very big shoes, both literally and metaphorically. Not literally, he didn't step into Fish's shoes literally. That would be weird if Fish left some shoes behind and on the stage. Put them on. Yeah, no, you've got to wear these. Sorry, Steve, you've got to wear these. Yeah, that's if you want <laughs> these to be are in my the band. Show shoes. Yeah, Ooh, but I've got size four feet and Fish has got like size 20. I've gone off on one. We should. We were going to talk about Lady Nina and Freaks, but that has been an epic. So I think yeah. we'll save it for the next episode, which will start to touch on clutching at straws. We'll look at the B sides of the misplaced childhood era next week. Uh, I also want to talk about the first time I saw Marillion live. And, oh, yeah, and then the second time I saw Marillion live, which was Welcome to the Garden Party at the Milton Keynes Bowl which was a big moment for them. Ah, and so we'll get, we'll fill in some blanks between misplaced and clutching. Cause uh, yeah, it's when everything started to fall apart. Uh Oh, teaser. Mm. So thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, go subscribe to us on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook You'll be able to find us. I don't need to tell you what the addresses are. And yeah, we do want to do a postbag episode at some point. So send us some emails at um, it's beampod at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Maybe even leave us a review on iTunes. Not iTunes, is it? Apple Podcasts. Maybe leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell us whether you love us or not. Because we're desperate and needy. Right, we'll see you next time. Bye.